Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I've got somebody that I've looked forward to talking to for a good while. If you're watching this on video podcast, his book, The Wow Factor. And we're going to get into that here in just a few minutes. And I'm going to tell you what The Wow Factor is. But when you're around this guy for any length of time, you get The Wow Factor. And that is author, sales leader, Christian Grasso joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Chris, how are you today? I'm I'm great. I, I, I'm a morning guy. So whenever we hook up in the morning, I'm ready to go. Now you do this at nine o'clock at night. And I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to think that, 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 you know, when, when, and doing live radio as, as much as I've done it in the last 17, 18 years, you, you, when, when they, when that countdown clock is on and you hear that bumper music, in your ear, you know it's time to go. And, and so, you know, again, I, I'm kind of like that about any time. If I know I've got to go, it's, it, you know, whether it's 9 o'clock at night or midnight or what, I'm ready. One time in our church, we had a prayer meeting. We had a midnight prayer meeting. I'll never forget this. At 2 a.m., my pastor tells me to go to the keyboard and play and sing something. Now, that's, you know, I was Who like... Who does that at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Well, you know, <laughs> Pentecostal people that, that just were, were, were praising the Lord. So, Chris, your book is fascinating. I want to start there. Your book is fascinating, The Wow Factor, and it stands for Word of the Week. So yeah. You have 52 words that you've packed in this book. And again, for those watching on video, I will hold up the book. It's, it's very, very nicely done the wow factor. Take me behind what your inspiration was in doing this book and, the, and kind of the why behind it. Yeah, you know, it actually, uh, I, I, I just thought I wasn't a smart person. I was struggling in spelling. And I remember uh, I really got to the understanding when my second daughter was going through school and she was diagnosed with dys dyslexia. And I'm like, I'm listening to it. They track from right to left. They bounce around. I'm like, I told my wife, honey, that's me. And she's like, what? I'm like, that's my life. I didn't know that. I, you know, I grew up in the late sixties, early seventies. Like we just, I just, they thought I was dumb. So, uh, come to find out it was, it was that I used to pray to a dog. I mean, uh, that's all cleared up now and we're, we're moving <laughs> forward. So that's, that's bad. But, uh, so, uh, I know that leaders are readers and, uh, boy, I was like, if I could find something that was in bite-sized pieces that I could chew on and it could inspire me and encourage me and, and motivate me and, and, and it would, it would wow me. I mean, I like to, I'm excited. So like, don't, don't be boring. Don't do that to me. And so, um, I, I thought if I could have something that, that, that I could factor that into my life and business and personally, that would be awesome. And so that's kind of what started it, um, was recognizing that I thought we needed something like that. And it took me on a journey of um, really becoming a wordaholic. I like to say, I'm Chris, and I'm a wordaholic. And what I mean is, I have fallen in love with um, the opportunity to dig into words, to um, learn about words, the origin, learn about words, how, how they're put together. Um, I see words in words. And kind of like the person that has you know, gone blind, their hearing mm -hmm. improves. And mm -hmm. so I've realized I have a superpower. And the superpower is words. I see words and I'm like, oh, do you see that? And the other day I was looking at the word pursuit and I'm like, oh, yeah, the word pursue is in the beginning and IT is at the end. You pursue it, it's what you're after. And I'm like, things like that. Some of them are corny and some of them are, are amazing. And so what started out as being just me kind of sharing with friends turned into me and a couple friends and then me and dozens and dozens of people and CEOs and, and fortune 500 people uh, started to say, we want to make a difference in people's yeah. lives. And I want to give you something that you could have not too much. How about one word a week? And um, you know, Brian, I learned that 
if our definition is wrong, our entire path could be wrong. I'll give you an example. Let's use the word success. If I say, okay. I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna be successful, and if my definition of success is just having lots of money, then any way I get that money is okay. I can yeah. rob a bank or I can take it from your grandma, you know? And yeah. that ain't right. So that's kind of how it started and this concept of define it, dissect it, and then teach someone how to do it. Well, and words have power, Chris. And, and, and again, a lot of our English language words came from other, other uh, cultures and languages. Yep. A lot of our words come from the Latin. I took Latin in high school. And so a lot of words we, we find we've, we've taken from other cultures. And even the way other cultures use the same words that we use. So if, if you and I were to go to England yes. and we would say, give us chips, they would, you know, they would, um, they would give us French fries. Yeah. We would, we would think, okay, we're getting a bag of potato chips like we have here in the States. And there are other words that they use over there that mean something totally different here. When you started diving in, and what I love about your book is you have the phonetic spelling. So I, I am not maniacal, but I, I'm, I'm intentional about getting the spelling right because the first year that I did PA for high school basketball, I was doing, my son played at a Christian school and they had a varsity team, and they had a prep team. And the prep team were kids that were coming in from other countries and things like that. So we had a kid on our team was from Poland and his last name I thought was Ivanovich because I was looking at the spelling and and trying to in my best interpretation of Polish say this kid's name correctly and his host family came over to me one day and they said it's Ivanovich <laughs> Ivanovich and then we had a Russian kid the next year his last name looked like like Sukhanov, and everybody was pronouncing it that way. And his host family came to me and said, it's pronounced Suhanif. And so I got in two years, I got really good at pronouncing words, especially kids' names, because it's important. These kids are thousands of miles from home. Yeah. You want to give them a little bit of, of home involved. You dive into phonetics. In, in every word that you use. Why did you do that? Was it important to you to know how to pronounce it correctly? Or was there something behind the phonetic spelling? No, just to give it uh, substance that, um, you know, we're, we're pulling it from, this is the actual definition. And I, I, you know what did it is uh, working on my word for the book, which was the word lead. Um, there are 15,000 books on lead and apparently no one's looked at the dictionary to see what it was, how it was done. <laughs> because I discovered a, uh, some nuggets in there that once you read the definition, you can talk for six hours on just the definition in the dictionary, which is the whole phonetic spell. By the way, phonetic should start with an F. Let's just get that taken care of right now. Well, you know, <laughs> it's like pharmacy or phone. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, well, I'm going to change it up. Petition Congress. That's all I'm I know to tell about. you to do. <laughs> In my extra time. I'm kind of, yeah, honey, actually, that's over yeah. yeah, after you get done with this podcast, <laughs> go, go petition Congress. Be right on that. Yeah. No, I just, you know, I, people have an anchor. You have to have a starting point, and then you build off of that. And well, one of the neat things, one of the neat stories is a, is a guy who is an uh, executive coach, uh, actually a college buddy of mine, Noble Bowman. And Noble's word that he chose was coach. And he didn't even realize the origin of the word. He was thinking of it in what he does, where he coaches leaders or as, a, as yeah. another coach. But it, it began, and he goes into the, uh, into the background where it was a comfortable way to move people to the desired destination. That's what a coach does. You're a riding in a nice coach. A way to move people. Now, listen, m growing up in the, in the late 80s and early 90s and being coached by people, that wasn't the definition of coach. It was, <laughs> it was light a fire under your rear end yeah. and get you to do things that, that, that made your team successful. But that's the definition of coach. Man, I, I, never, I never saw that. 
Yeah, well, that's the other thing too that's cool um, is when, when words have multiple definitions. Um, I just used the word lead a moment ago and uh, it's a noun and a verb and we can get into that if we want. But what's interesting is the, it's spelled L-E-A-D. And so another word that's lead is also lead, like pencil lead. Yeah, that's right. It's the same thing. And then I started thinking, well, what's the definition of pencil lead? Listen to this, Brian. Lead is it leaves a mark because of what it's made of, which is the accent or the, the, the truth of leadership is that's exactly what lead does. So when you lead, which is lead, which is past tense, you leave a mark because of what you're made of. Yeah. And, and you know, here's the thing, Chris. You've got so many people out there that don't understand the true meaning of what things represent. You know, in, in today's society, we're being told as a culture, well, you really don't know what this means. You really don't understand what this means. And in some cases, that's correct. In many cases, though, it's now becoming a, an interpretation Oh, yeah. of what someone thinks it should mean. And so when I love what you said there is that we're going to get to the true definition of what this means. When you think about it and the research that you did for the Wow Factor book, was there a word that just said, that, that, that just screamed to you, man, oh, man, this is powerful because this means something different than what everybody else thinks it means. There's several. Um, I, I, I could go on forever. Um, and that's the other, let me, let me say this. That's the beauty of it not being my book. Nothing wrong with someone writing a book. I've written several. Um, but as, as well-traveled as I am, I'm 55 years old. I've been around the world many times. I've been in all levels of business from an owner, CEO, president, VP, all the way down to, you know, garbage guy, which I am at home. I take up the garbage. But yeah. what I realized is none of us are as smart as all of us. And everything we do is about perspective. And, 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 and I wanted that well-rounded viewpoint, um, different ethnicities, different ages, different levels um, involved in business because a person who runs a multi-billion dollar company doesn't always think like a person who's just starting as an entrepreneur yeah. and so i wanted that uh i call that the tapestry of perspective i, I wanted this this vast way uh, of perspective because i'll tell you something you know there's an old adage about iron sharpening iron i think what happens is we, we think it's two parallel people going together that's who we tend to hang around we tend to hang around people that think just like us there is no growth in that. It's just, uh, it's like dead, dead things float down a stream. Now, iron sharpens iron with two perpendicular smashes when one bumps into the other. And as a society, I'll just be honest, I don't want to go down this road too much, but we don't like that feeling. And I'm like, you know, Why Chris, not? let me jump in here. You, you're talking about iron sharpening iron. The, what, what sharp, what, what, the, what the connotation and the definition of that is this one iron can be harder than the other iron. Oh yeah. Just because it's called iron doesn't mean that the irons are the same. And you have to have people of different hardness and different perspective. And that's what, you know, when, when we look at the literal of iron, it is the hardness that that iron has. There's some irons that are harder than others. That's why they use them for different things. And so I love what you said there about the perpendicular banging together because at that, at some point, you're sharpening me. You could have a harder edge at that point in your life that sharpens me and gives me that, that sharp edge that I need. And so I love what you said there. I had to, I had to, to come in there and, and park on that for a minute. Chris, you have had an interesting journey. I want to pivot here. Okay. I think this is a good place to pivot. You've had an interesting journey in your life. Take me back and, and take me from point A to point B in your life because I believe with the Intentional Encourager podcast that you don't see the people that they are today without knowing who people were mm. to get to that point. 
So take me to take me back as far as you want to, and tell me Chris's story. Grew up in a little town of Wisconsin, both working parents. Actually, my mom went to work uh, to pay off the dryer, and then she worked 18 years. And I just thought, what a dryer did she buy? That was ridiculous, you know? It's, oh, mom, come on. Um, but just hardworking, you know, middle class, never knew we, we didn't have much money. Um, but I'll tell you what I did have is support of my parents and anything I wanted to do. And so I became a, a child prodigy doing magic on a big scale, started with birthday parties and then started doing large illusion shows and, and uh, company parties. And it was crazy as a teenager to literally be, you know, driving around doing these shows. Uh, uh, what, what a rush that was. And uh, um, it was in that process that, that that was my goal. I wanted to be rich and famous. And then through a death of a friend, uh, was like a second father to me. My whole life back in the early uh, 80s came crashing down. And I, I just had to reevaluate and go, what am I doing? Which uh, led me in a bizarre path. Um, I, I went into uh, to become a minister. And I was like, wow, there's something more on a deeper level. And so for me, it was an encounter. Uh, and uh, I, I spent uh, years and years and years um, first as a youth pastor and then traveling the world uh, in churches and nonprofits, which- See, that's what your next book needs to be, From Magician to Minister. <laughs> well, if, if you'll buy one copy, that'd be yeah. good. <laughs> well, and Chris, I want to park there for just a second. I'm fascinated by that because again, you, you in that period of time for perspective in the, in the 70s and things like that, Guys that were that were doing that for a living, like you know Doug Henning and David Copperfield, guys yeah. like that, they were they were they were rich, famous, you know, um, they had all that that going on for them. Um, I, I got to be humorous here for just a minute. Was that not a great way to to introduce yourself to young ladies back then and go, hey, would you like to be a part of my act? No, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> it was awkward on an elevator though. You got to, it's timing. You got to know when to say, do you want to see some magic? You got to be careful. Listen, it's, you uh, literally could have swept them off their feet. You know, you absolutely. Could've... And held it there. Yeah. Exactly. We would do that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You could have swept them off their feet and said for my next trick. Yeah. But some of the parents got mad. Yeah. Well, no, other... you know, and, and, and no, and I say that all kidding aside, I, I, I think, Listen, you know, whatever you think about that, some of those guys are very, very talented doing yeah. doing what they do. And, you know, again, it, it, it is entertainment. I mean, nobody, a magician can't literally saw a girl in half. That's, you know, we know. Well, they can once. Yeah, yeah, and then never done again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but some of those guys, Chris, are very talented. Yeah. Did that, I, I got to step back here for a second. What did that, that time in your life what was that did that teach you maybe about work ethic or mm. talent things like that because to get to where you said you wanted to get to you would have had to literally just go all in and yeah. then some what did Absolutely. that particular time in your life teach you well crazy enough i mean you know me a little bit but I, i'm i'm not shy but i was and for me, magic actually pulled me out of, of that. And I think what it was is I caused people to be speechless and to take notice. Um, I wasn't very athletic, even though when you look at me, you're like, obviously that guy's a professional something. <laughs> yeah. Not the case. Yeah. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, yeah. But, but it, no, it really did. A, it built up my confidence and I was able to do something that someone else couldn't do. And, um, um, you know, of course, then I went through a thing where my confidence became pride. That's a whole nother discussion. Uh, and then it wasn't just, I, I can do something. You can't, it's I can do something, which that's, that's my style anymore. Um, now, but I do like the concept of it. I think, uh, you know, as I travel and get a chance to speak at businesses and things, um, it's, it's a way to grab the attention of the audience and to do something that causes them to go, I think I should listen to this guy. You know, it's just, that's the wow factor there where it adds when, a little piece when, of that. But yeah, I went from doing it. And, and we were talking about pride and, and I, and, and I want to step there for just a second. Okay. When you get to that point in your life that you go, man, I'm pretty good at this. To your point, what you just said of, 
I can hold people's attention. I can captivate people. See, and that's the thing that I think, Chris, about social media is I think we have so many people that are desperate in their lives to do that, to captivate someone's attention, to hold their attention, to render them speechless. I think that is the, the, the intoxication, if you will, of social media. Yeah. When you talk about pride, what, what happened inside of you? you? You went from introvert to extrovert through this skill that you acquired. When did you realize that, that pride was creeping in to your life? When I got married. <laughs> Not fully. That's well, a good I think point. It, it's, it's a really yeah. good point. Man, I would do these big conventions. Oh, thousands of people. I'd come home, my wife would be like, hey, uh, you got to get that garbage out. I'd be like, yeah, no, I'll get right at that, you know. Um, there is a part of that, though, and that is the other thing is if all you do is surround yourself with people that are enamored by you, you're not going to be fun to be around. Um, I like hanging around people that challenge me, that that uh, that say, um, your attitude's bad, yeah. you know. And so, in fact, while I'm doing the call, one of my, one of my guys that we talk to regularly uh, is calling me. He's probably uh, going to tell me something. Uh, but But to have that... To have that, that people in your life that can do that. And that's what I wanted for Wow Factor 2 is expose the world to people from different um, different uh, industries. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I mean, I didn't pull all from one because there's so much we can learn from each other in the different levels of understanding. Um, I hope that's what it does. And so it's been a part of my journey. If somebody inspires me, and by the way, I'm not a jealous guy, but I got to be honest, Brian, that intentional encourager i'm a little envious of that name because that is me i'm intentional i'm an encourager maybe that's why i like you so much well is and that. i said to you the other day a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while and so i just happened to the blind squirrel theory in full effect chris you 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 transitioned away you you started you, you started down the path of going into the ministry and becoming a youth pastor you know what was that pivot point like for you? Because for some people, it is, and I've said this about ministry for a long time. I have seen, and I've gone to church all my life, so I've seen ministry. I had an uncle who was a pastor. My dad was a pastor the last three and a half years of his life. So I've seen just about everything you can see in ministry. When, when you decide that you're going to go into the ministry, you feel that calling. And I've said this, that, that today... A calling has now become a vocation. What 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 years ago, you sacrificed everything for your calling. Now it's well, I'm going to graduate high school, then I'm going to go to seminary or Bible college, then I'm going to pastor a church. It's almost like a career path. It's sure. almost like it gets set up for a career path. What was that transition like for you, going to to performing in front of thousands of people and doing these conventions and things? All of a sudden, now you're in ministry, and ministry is one-to-one. What was that transition like for you? Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, uh, that one-to-one -one became big crowds. So, I mean, it almost felt the same. I just had, I had to fight against, uh, you know, doing it with the right motive and the right purpose. Um, I mean, I got busy for a while. I started traveling. I was traveling 300 days a year. Uh, you know, speaking 40, 50 times a month and all over the place. And so it was a little, it wasn't, it wasn't normal. Uh, so, uh, you know, I had a staff of people that were helping keep us on track and, and we were all over the place. And um, that part was cool. I think, I think one of the challenges I had was actually going from what you just call vocational church ministry into the business world where, I still do the same things. My heart's even better now. It's, it's, it's even, uh, you know, I have one desire and that's to help others. And uh, I don't have a personal agenda. I if I can help you be better and I can take you um, to a place you couldn't get on your own, man, I feel fulfilled, you know? And yeah. so for me, uh, I found my place is in the business community, um, you know, and I, I do happen to be a, a spiritual guy that, uh, yeah. you know, I use the Bible as a guide for my life. Um, sometimes I got to be reminded of that too. Like, oh, that's right. Dang it. You know, uh, but it seems to be working. I don't know. Everybody looks at, everybody looks at Christianity and church 
in, in, in the, this is what I see, Chris, and I want to bring this into our conversation because again, okay. the whole goal of the Intentional Encourager podcast is just to have a real conversation. And, and, and so that's what we, that's what I want to do. Here's what I see about Christianity today. It's like so many other things in our world that people want to buy something that works immediately. In other words, they buy a diet plan and they want to lose 50 pounds like that. You know, right, right. Yeah. They think if they join a gym, yeah, they're supposed to look like the, the people in the gym in a month. Yeah. And, and it's not that way. And Christianity is not that way. It's a discipline. It's consistently praying, reading your Bible, going to church, feeding your spirit. It's, it's that consistency over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, when, when you, when, when you were minute, when you were in ministry full time and things like that, I can't imagine being gone all that, that time. What was the one thing that you had to discipline yourself to do every day to keep yourself on track? It's my, it's the same thing I do now. It's uh it's my first couple hours of every day is all by me. It's my alone time. It's my quiet time. It's my creative time. It's my prayer time. It's my study time. Um, I do a lot of walking. Uh, I live in central Florida, so it's, it's really good. That typical mornings are really awesome year round. Um, so that's really, really important. Um, when I don't do that, I'm, I'm, I'm disconnected. It's kind of like checking with air traffic controller. What are we doing today? How, how's, what's my flight plan today? That's yeah. when I, that's when I get it. But I, I wanted to say something about you, you were saying about, um, the, the, the Christianity thing being quick. And I think one of the challenges is we get confused. Like if I want to use the analogy, marriage and a wedding. Yeah. A wedding is an event. A marriage is the lifestyle of being married. So to yeah. have an experience with, with, with God, which is what happened to me June 20th, 1982 at 1.45 in the morning in a basement of my friend's uh, house after a death of my friend, that was an event, but that's not it. Mm-hmm. That was a wedding. That was a, you know, a meeting, if you will. Uh, now it's about marriage. And uh, yeah. not that I don't think about that, but it's way bigger than that. You, you talk about the, the day and time and, and place that you, you, came, that you surrendered your life to the Lord and came to the Lord. It was after the death of a friend. Um, take, if, if you don't mind sharing that, that experience. Sure. What was the single, other than, than coming to the Lord and, and understanding, what, what was that experience like for you? Because obviously you were a young man, probably what, 17, 18 years 17, old at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. What was that like experiencing that kind of painful loss firsthand right in your lap? Because I, I, full disclosure, Chris, the first time I lost somebody really close to me was my best man in my wedding. And I was 30 mm-hmm. at the time. I lost my granddad when I was 19. I sang it at the funeral, but I wasn't super close with my granddad. I wasn't real close. It wasn't somebody that I talked to every day and things like that, as it was the guy that was my best man. That hit me. You're 17 years old, and life hits you like that. What, what was that like? I was in uh, Chicago, Illinois, doing a magic convention. My parents were out of town at a cottage in northern Wisconsin. This is back, uh, you know, 1981. We didn't have cell phones, that's for sure. Actually, we didn't have a phone at the cottage. So you're there, you're there there alone. And uh, every summer, I would go and spend the summer, a couple months, with uh, some friends of ours that used to be neighbors. Uh, They had a farm in in Minnesota. And so they really became my second family. And Mr. Gray became, like, my second dad. And so after years of doing that, uh, they retired from farming and for the first time ever took their first vacation. And uh, <laughs> over the Father's Day weekend in June, which we just, just was there, which is kind of clever, yeah. um, uh, I got a phone call from my mom and I'll never forget what she said. I'm, I'm moving and growing. I'm, I'm, I'm 17 years old, but I'm yeah. doing crazy stuff, you know? And um, she says, Chris, I need you to sit down. First of all, mom's calling me? What? Where, where's a phone, you know? Yeah. And then she, she said these words to me, Mr. Gray passed away today. And just kind of like you said when you were 30, the only, only thing I'd ever lost 
was a bird named Aurora. Mm-hmm. And uh, we buried him in the backyard. And then my dog later picked him up, which is an awkward story. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember thinking, whoa, 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 what, what just happened? And, and my whole life, if I'm seeking fame and fortune, all of a sudden I come face to face with none of that matters at this moment. It was yeah. a weird place for me to be as a teenager. I was so mad. I was a, I, I boxed as a kid, uh, which is a crazy combination to be a boxer and a magician. So uh, yeah, just, <laughs> yeah don't, don't hit people with hard heads. But that's yeah. what I did. Um, but that caught, taught me discipline and, and got me in shape. But um, I remember I, I left that moment just shocked, blown away. And uh, my best friend at the time, his dad was a cop in town and, and uh, who was a very spiritual, godly man. I, I, I remember that. And he walked with me, and it's when he shared his life change with tears in his eyes as we were sitting on a bench, and I'm looking at him going, what is the deal with this? And it messed me up. And uh, I just had to reevaluate. And my, my pain was so bad because I was alone. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. why my parents left me alone at 17? I don't know. So the, there's no, the, it's too late to call the DHS, but uh, I was fine. Yeah. I was, I was doing my own thing. Um, but I, I look back and uh, I was only alone for a little while. And then uh, it was in the m- middle of the night, June 20th, 1982. I mean, when you remember it like that, I was in the base of my friend's house and I'd, I didn't really believe in God. I mean, I kind of was bumping into the reality of God. I, I used to go to church every Christmas and, and Easter. I thought the only kind of flowers that were around were poinsettias and lilies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. Uh, but it wasn't fun. I mean, the most, the coolest thing that happened in church when I grew up is my friend Pat's elbow got stuck in a hymnal rack. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good time right here. So, uh, but yeah. But then, you know, just to start that journey of discovery, which is... Uh, I guess that's the same method I use in Law Factor. I want you to bump into something and then dig into it and discover it and dissect it and, um, and then do it. And that's kind of what I do. It's amazing how people have those epiphanies in their life where they need to make changes and they need to do different things and, and things like that where people will come to God at, at different points in their life and things like that. When you decided, now I want to, I want to fast forward a little bit and, and folks, I don't apologize for taking the conversations in different places. To me, it's fascinating conversation. That's you should take conversation in different places. Fast forward. You are, you're in ministry, you're traveling a lot, things like that. What was the pull on you to the business world? Because some people go the other way. They leave the hustle and bustle of business and they say, there's, there's a greater purpose and I'm going to go into ministry. Yeah. Yeah. You did the opposite. You left ministry to go into business. What was that like? Tell, tell me how that occurred for you and, and how you transitioned and what that, that time in your life was like moving to that point? Totally terrifying. After almost 18 years of traveling, and uh, I used to get four calls a day to go speak. Um, I was booked two and three years of, uh, in advance. Sometimes they'd be stacked up. If this guy cancels, you go. Uh, what a place to be. And then through just some, some things beyond my control in my own personal life, um, uh, my first marriage uh, crumbled. Maybe because I was gone so much. I look back, Brian, I'm like, you know what? Poor thing. <laughs> when you travel 300 days a year, uh, that's not a good sign. Well, and that's Chris, let me, Chris, let me, t- let me say this. I love what you just said there because there's a couple things I want to take away from that. Number one is that that's why um, I had an opportunity to go sing with a semi-professional Southern Gospel Quartet. I didn't want to leave my home church because I just felt like that wasn't for me. Sure. Then I had an opportunity to go back and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm already gone through the week. Why well, don't want to get out here and go on the weekends? I lost that desire to go do because, and that's the reason I came off the road back in late 2015. I, I was, I had a six state sales territory covering from Memphis, Tennessee to Charleston, South Carolina. I had a dream job. 
I had zero stress, zero pressure. Great boss, never, never bothered me. I did what I wanted to do, but I was gone all the time. Hmm. And so I can totally relate and, and relate to that because it's like, man, when you're gone as a dad, as a husband, the stuff you miss, you'll never get back. And, and I wonder sometimes what goes through the minds of guys that, that travel and, and, and speak professionally or, or sing or play music. It's like, man, is it worth it to do that? Is it well, what, yeah, what I, what I started getting better at was then using the word intentional um, is make those times when you are, because some people, they have to travel. If they're in the service, I mean, it is what it is. And, and absolutely, yeah, know, traveling's not bad. I think it's how do you handle when you're not traveling or how do you handle when you are traveling? Well, All the things to do. Chris, yeah. my point to that is you choose the life you have. At any point, you can, if you're a musician, you can come off the road and work a regular job. Yeah, you can. You know, you you can de you decide what you want to do with your life, and 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 I hear people, especially in the Christian music genre, they say, "Well, God's called me to sing," or "God's God may have called you to sing, but your first calling is to your home. God commissioned the family before He ever commissioned a vocation." And and you talk about your first marriage crumbling. Mm. Walk me, if you don't mind, and walk us through that time in your life. How were you trying to balance, if that's the right word to use, your responsibilities at home to your wife and your family, but you have all these people that are demanding, Chris, come speak, come speak, come speak. How did you reconcile that internally? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when you're insecure, when you allow yourself to be insecure, uh, then you chase after somebody that pays attention to you. And that's exactly what I did. Um, now, you know, 25 years later, it's a different world. And, um, and I look back the what it should have could. I don't, I don't, I don't live my life looking at my rear view mirror. Thankfully, I don't drive like that either. Thankfully. Um, yeah. but it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. You know, I, uh, I still traveled some afterwards. Uh, I've been married to Heather for over 20 years now, and we've adopted uh, three children now. We have one of our own, so I have five kids, age 30. Uh, my joke, Brian, is I have five kids, all with different moms. <laughs> People are like, what? What you doing? You know, and I'm like, ah, uh, my, my, my first daughter, who just, we just had Father's Day, and it was such a neat thing to have us all together. Hey, I've got an but, extra mic for you right here. We're just going to drop it. <laughs> that, that was brilliant. That was brilliant, Jim Grasso. Well, that's what it is, though. It, 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 because, but, you know, I, I have a daughter from my first marriage a daughter from my second, and then we've adopted two sons, and now we're in the process of adopting a little girl who's 19 months old. I'm 55 mm. years old. I'm like, what am I doing? And I asked right, my Abraham. wife the other day. Get yeah, me I ready, said, Abraham. I told my wife, I said, do you not want to be an empty nester with me? Which, which I think that's the case. But, uh, you know, well, you're that having trend, kids in your old age, dude. Well, having them. It's a rent-to-own. <laughs> rent-to-own. Rent-to-own. No, I, I love to, to rescue. You know, once you start doing that, it's really cool. But, um, to, you know, that, that path of, I, I, you asked me that question, and I, I kind of got forced into it, mm -hmm. is all of a sudden my calendar started shutting down. I mean, you're going from four calls a day, by the way, you want to talk about uh, image problem with this guy right here? Yeah. I was basing my worth on how much people wanted me, and all of a sudden they don't want me anymore. I mean, it was like, what, what is going on? I went... I went months and months and months, no income. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I speak. I do magic. I, what, what do I do? I'm thinking, do I get a job like at Walmart? I don't know. What do I do? Yeah. And uh, got me into sales, which was kind of funny. Um, that's when I started falling in love into sales. And my wife actually, this is an interesting quote. She said, she's the one that suggested you need to go into sales. I don't know what that means. Well, come to find out her dad is a professional sales guy. Well, mm -hmm. sure. She saw it all her life. She goes, you can do that. And I said, what would I sell? And I thought nuclear submarines. I could sell one a lifetime and maybe pay for stuff, you know, <laughs> but I don't know anything about nuclear subs. And I actually got into flooring of all things. Um, uh, but she did say this, this was her encouragement to me, her push her nudge. She said, Chris, you've been selling, if you will, this invisible God. 
and people by the thousands have mm. received what you had to say. Yeah. Well, why don't you try this? And I was like, okay. So for me, I had to believe in it. I had to know it, like it. And, uh, and then I, I didn't have any training. I just, I was a guy that cared about people and I just wanted to solve their problems. I hate yeah. being sold, but I don't mind buying stuff that I need. And yeah. so that's kind of what started that process. And now, of course, I love sales. I love the energy of sales. That's my definition. Um, sales isn't information transfer. That's education. Sales is a transfer of energy. And I am energetic. And one of my friends one time, they said, you're excited about floors? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, I'm not. I said, that's what I do. And you don't. That's why. Well, I mean. you, you, here's the thing. You, you, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what that product that you sell is going to do for somebody else. Oh yeah. I wasn't, ex I, you know, people, when I sold starters and alternators in the heavy duty truck and school bus world, people are like, Brian, what do you, what do you sell? I sell power because when you get out on the road and, and you're a trucker, and that's how you make your living. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. You want to know that my alternator is not going to fail you in the middle of Texas in 120-degree heat as you're hauling a load cross-country. That's the last place you want to get stuck. And well, you're so getting I, our kids to school. You yeah. are responsible for getting our kids to school. I love yeah. it. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, exactly, that's the other yeah. part of it, looking at it. I, I don't sell floorings. I sell, I help create aesthetic uh, atmospheres in people's homes. Well, you've got a product that people walk all over anyway, Chris. So, I mean, it's, you know. That's it, exactly it's, right. Everybody Chris, has one, too. In the, in the last few minutes we've got, and I asked this, and you, you have been so transparent, and I really appreciate that because, again, it brings about real, genuine conversation because I always say to people, I always say, I never know who's going to pick up this podcast that needs to hear the conversation that we're having. And they have that V8 moment where they go, that's me. I'm walking in those same shoes or I, I walk that same road. And then there becomes an instant connection and they're drawn into this conversation that we're having. A guy in central Florida from Wisconsin, a guy in West Virginia from set from Southern Ohio. And, and people are drawn into this conversation. You've taken me through the loss of a friend and, and the, and the loss of a marriage. What was the biggest professional obstacle that you had to overcome? And I want to talk to the professionals for a few minutes. I was, uh, got to what I thought was, uh, I mean, I'm here, you know, it's like the Rocky moment when you climb the stairs. I am the vice president of a global company. We're in six countries doing millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, I had a dream job and, uh, it stopped. We got bought out by another company and all of a sudden I found myself 18 months as a overqualified guy staring at the wall going, what am I going to do? Which unfortunately I had just gone through about uh, 15 years prior to that. And so those are hard moments where you've got to reinvent yourself and, um, you know, ended up going back to uh, what I was back into sales and, uh, and had to start over. Okay. This is a problem. Um, actually, I was just with a guy the other day. Um, I hope this comes across good. He just said, it's, it's one of my, one of my bosses. He said, I got to be honest with you. He said, um, you are way overqualified for your position. And I said, okay, you know, does that mean I shouldn't be faithful where I'm planted? Does that mean I shouldn't try to help everybody I can where I'm at? You're right. And I, I struggle with that. I see things that are different perspective. I've been over things and now I'm a part of things. And, and it's, that's been hard, Brian, um, to, it's not an arrogance. I don't, I don't know. That's not, I, I got that kicked out of me a long time ago, but for me, it's, it's all about, um, I think sometimes companies, they give responsibility without authority. And that's a hard one for me. But I remember when I lost everything. Uh, thank goodness we're good with money. My wife is. I make it, she keeps it. With yeah, that's right. That she gives the allowance. She has another $20. Yeah, and, I know. And, uh, right but it's awesome to, um, you know, for those that are struggling, going through something. And this, this whole COVID thing, man, there's people that are they're trying to figure out what just happened. They, they had a business yeah. and it fell apart yeah. or whatever, and they're doing that. Look, 
uh, here's the here's the message I think for today. Now is not forever, and it's never as That's bad right, as it Chris. first appears. It's never as bad as it first appears. I've made millions. I've lost millions. I've I've been at the top. I've been at the bottom, and um, you know. I don't care where I'm at as long as in the process I'm helping people uh, be the best version that they can be and I can wow them and inspire them intentionally, encourage them. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Chris, so, as we wrap up our time together, man, we, we, we need to do this again because, you know, it's uh, you've got so much more to tell. And, and I so appreciate your time today mm -hmm. telling the Intentional Encourager podcast audience. I ask this of every guest, and I'm going to ask you, what's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for folks? I think part of it is, is spend more time looking in the mirror and who that person is than judging those around you. Hmm. Man, so true. So simple and so true. Because I'm, I'm doing that now. Well, Chris, here's the thing. We, we as human beings in today's world, and I, I mentioned social media a few minutes ago, we derive all of our worth and all of our wow off of likes, shares, comments by total strangers, by people we don't even know, who if they walked up to us on the street, likely would probably walk by us they wouldn't share anything with us. And they certainly wouldn't comment on anything. Hmm. And, and so I love what you said there. Spend time. Say that again. That is so good. Say that again, please. Well, I'll, I'll say it this way. I didn't realize how much of a lack of self-awareness I had. And sometimes when you go through crisis, you're forced to do that. When you're squished, you see what comes out, you know? And I didn't like it. And so uh, I now... I'm responsible for the guy in the mirror. Um, my, my default nature is to be judgmental. And I think yeah. for me, I did that because of my own insecurities. If I can judge you, I don't have to look at me. Nice. <laughs> you know? Great point. Yeah, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy or that girl or whatever. As <laughs> I'm not as bad as Sexton. Now, that guy, that Ooh, guy is a, he's, yeah. yeah. They don't even make medicine for that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but, but no, just to be that, I mean, I really think that's the biggest blind spot in people and leaders is that they, they lack self-awareness. And um, th that's why I like hanging around people that are perpendicular. That's why I like to, to read things and, and do things that, that sometimes make me uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, we're, we're growing and changing. I remember as a little kid, my, my knees would hurt and my mom would say, oh, you're growing pains. And I thought, you know what? If you don't have some hurt every once in a while, if you will, you, you may not be growing. Well, and, and again, life has a funny way, and you said it a few minutes ago, life has a funny way of keeping you where you need to be, but also teaching you lessons for where you're going to go. I wish it would be written out. We could do it. Although there's enough yeah. of stuff I've gone through, I would have quit. I guess that's the second thing is just don't quit. Find yeah. someone like a Brian. Find someone that can hold you up when you're down. You know, there's that great parable that says if two are walking and one falls in the ditch, the other one goes, ha! no, that's not what they do. Yeah. The other one picks them up. And, 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 and I surround myself with people that lock arms together and we go through life. Uh, sometimes they got to carry me. And sometimes yeah. I get to carry them. Man, this conversation went way too fast. I, you know, I, I'm looking at the clock. It's like, man, where did the time go? Tell folks real quick, Chris, where they can find you and connect with you, find your book. Uh, again, yeah. I'll hold it up. Again, shameless plug my, for my friend, The Wow Factor. Go pick it up wherever you find books. Uh, you can't have this one because it's an autographed copy, and I'm holding on to it with my life. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're, tell folks they, where they can connect with you and find your, your resources. We're really active on LinkedIn and, and, and Facebook, of course. Uh, I'm the, here's the weird thing, Brian. I'm the only Chris Gingrasso in the world. I want you to think about that. The only one. If anyone can find another one with my name, I'll, I'll, there isn't one. I've, I've gone to It's it. And there's a reason for that, which is a whole other story. Chris, but, I did um, a Google search on my name one time. There is a dude in New Jersey, named See? Brian Sexton. Uh-huh. He is the Michael Jordan 
uh-huh. of Irish dancing. You know, like the like the oh, yeah. river dance. I want to see you do it. Maybe there's a little a bit hit. in there. I would yeah, break it. Absolutely, hit. but it's worth videoing. Well, I'll yeah, video. but, but this dude in New Jersey, that Brian Sexton, is like the Michael Jordan of Irish dancing. I was blown away. I was like, wait a minute, I couldn't be like a um, like a world renowned geologist or or yeah. you know find a cure for some disease. No, my namesake has to be a dude that has feet of fire. Hey, whatever. I there's no one like that. So, but yeah, no, they can. Christian uh, Grasso, G I N R G G I. I can spell. I promise. G I N G R A S S O. Chris Jin yep. Grasso. Check it out. Yeah, the only one. So the good, the bad, and the ugly is all there. But they can also go to WowFactor.live and dig into it a little bit more. They can see the different people that have contributed to this. And this isn't my book. It's our book. And it's given some people an opportunity. I mean, we got some superstars in here, uh, you know, uh, and, and I did that because I wanted to have that tapestry of perspective. And I think it worked. We're working on Wow Factor 2.0. It's pretty cool. We got some new new people coming in, maybe even a Brian, uh, you know. Yeah. So. Some guys you may have heard of, such as Larry Levine. Larry, Larry Levine's been on this podcast, The Selling from the Heart uh, author, Justin Flom. I've heard of him. He's He's a magician. Uh, Lee Cockrell, executive VP of Disney World, he's he's featured in this book. Duncan Wardle um, is featured in this book. You've got, man, it's just a ton of people. As I was going through this, I'm like, man, this is so good. Christian oh. Grasso, brother, we could spend 10 hours doing a podcast, and uh, we'll have to circle back and do a, do a, a, a revisited, which we will. We'll go back. And do a lot of those folks that you've heard up from previously. We'll go back and have them on again, and and sure. uh, and have those folks on. But connect with Chris, Chris Gingrasso, G I N G R A S S O. Find him on Facebook, LinkedIn, and go to wowfactor.live. That's wowfactor.live. And uh, Chris, man, what a pleasure! Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager uh, podcast. Appreciate the time. Uh, all the best to you. And uh, when you get that dance, send me the video. I'll actually also send you the bill for the emergency room visit because I will. <laughs> I will not only, I, I promise you this, it's a good thing we have one of the best orthopedic surgeons in this area wow. who who, who uh, did uh, our senator, uh, Senator Manchin, he did his knee replacement because he's going to have to fix my hip. My yeah. knee. Well, no, I, I'll go to a good friend of mine. He's an ortho. He's a, he's an orthopedic surgeon, dear friend of mine, Dr. James Cox. Shameless plug for him. Uh, I'll have him fix my knee and hip, but I'll send you the bill. Okay. Because there is no way on God's green earth that you yeah. you will get my my bones don't move that way anymore, Chris. You're gonna. You'd I mean, have a. You never listen. You would have a better. You would have an easier chance. You'd have an easier chance making my my house float. Coming to my house, making it float, than, than me doing that. I'm I'm telling you, it would not be pretty. But dude, this has been such great conversation. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Thanks for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. See y'all. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, anytime, and any place can be an intentional.